I did what I did, but that was before love came to town. That's Bono and B.B. King singing When Love Comes to Town. But now that love has come to town, I'm a changed person. The, uh, the Christmas story is a story of love coming to town in the person of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent his one and only son. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or as Eugene Peterson writes in the, the paraphrase, the message, he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The, the gospels are full of stories of love coming into town in the person of Jesus Christ and then lives getting transformed as they interact with Jesus. During this season of Advent, we are going to be looking at a few of those lives, a few people who encountered Jesus and they were different uh, because of that encounter. Uh, that love transformed their life, changed their life. Uh, as we prepare for the season, I do want to ask you two questions. The first is this. Uh, are there some things in your life um, where you would like to see God do a work? You'd like to see God transform something in you? You'd like him to, to change something in your life? Uh, I'm guessing that for most of us, the answer to that is yes. We're not finished products. There's, there's areas in our life that need transformation. And so the second question is this. Do you believe that God is still in the business of transforming lives? Because it's one thing to read about it in the Bible of people 2,000 years ago whose lives were transformed. Does God want to do that today still? Does, it, does he still delight in transformation? Does he have the power and the interest to bring that change to your life that you would love to see? Join me as we pray for uh, this Advent series. Father God, um, I believe that you delight in our transformation. Lord, we commit this Advent season to you. Uh, as we learn about how you have changed lives in the past, we pray that you would do a work in us as well. Change us by the power of your word and the person of your Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start this morning uh, from a passage from Luke chapter 8, 1 through 3. Hear these words. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 who were with him and the 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping support them out of their own means. So the passage begins telling us that Jesus traveled from town to town and, and village to village, proclaiming good news. 
The good news he was proclaiming was about the kingdom of God and about the, the radical love of God. And we might assume that everyone was happy to see Jesus come to their town. They were, they were happy to see him come and they were sad to see him go. Uh, but we know as we read the, the Gospels that that is, fact is not the case. For some, Jesus was a threat. Jesus threatened existing systems and structures of power, and, and so people who benefited by those systems and structures of power were threatened by Jesus. Oddly enough, the people most threatened were religious, were religious leaders. The religious leaders were the appointed gatekeepers of all things religious and a whole lot of things non-religious. They determined what was right and what was wrong, and and when Jesus came to town, he would march brazenly through their gates, not asking for any permission, and, and proclaim the kingdom of God. And it left them asking, who does this man think that he is? In fact, very early, they made plans to kill him. And they would have. They would have gotten rid of him really quickly if it were not for one thing. Jesus changed lives. Everywhere he went, Jesus changed lives. When Jesus came to town, miracles happened. The blind could see, the lame could walk, the lepers, they were cleansed. When Jesus came to town, the sick were made well. When Jesus came to town, sinners, they were forgiven. When Jesus came to town, those who were invisible to society suddenly were seen and treated with dignity and respect. When Jesus came to town, desperate people found hope. Jesus was good news in bodily form. In the, the Christian faith, the theological word that we use for that is incarnation. If you ever hear that word incarnation, it means Jesus took up a body, took, became a human, became flesh and blood. He was good news in bodily form. So one of the lives of the, the people that he encountered and changed is listed here in Luke chapter 8. Mary from Magda, commonly known as Mary Magdalene. So hear the scripture again. Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Mary's story is the story of shocking transformation. In the uh, hit series, The Chosen, I know some of you have been watching The Chosen, Mary says this, she says, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Now, the only information that we have about Mary before her encounter with Jesus is actually from this, this verse in Luke chapter 8, verse 2. We're told that she is a, a woman who had eight demons. That's all that we know uh, about her. We aren't given any more detail about the nature of that, that torment and that anguish that she experienced. We don't know how those demons manifested themselves in her life. We just know that this is a woman who has suffered greatly. 
We don't know if she was a victim of her own choices, if she had made a whole lot of bad choices in her life. We don't know if she was a victim of someone else's bad choices or a whole bunch of people's bad choices. We don't know if her, her victimization was just purely of demonic nature and, and nothing else. There's a, a lot of uh, unfair assumptions that have been made about Mary over the years, and maybe you've been exposed to some of them. If you watch some musicals, uh, you were exposed to them. One of them is that, that Mary was a prostitute or that Mary was extremely promiscuous. We don't know if she was. We don't know if she wasn't. Uh, a mistake is often made that it, the woman who came and anointed Jesus' feet with her hair and with the perfume, who was a sinful woman, that that, that was Mary Magdalene. It, it wasn't Mary Magdalene. Another uh, allegation is that Mary was Jesus' girlfriend, uh, a, a charge which has no credibility. It's really a smokescreen that is meant to uh, discredit Jesus and to throw shade at Jesus. So there's much that we don't know about Mary before Jesus. What we do know is that she was a woman who suffered greatly, as I said, a woman in torment and anguish. I think there's a benefit to us today that we don't know the backstory uh, because it's more easy for us to identify with her. Because we may not identify with her exact circumstances, but, but I imagine we know torment. We know anguish. We have loved ones who have experienced torment and anguish. And so we can identify with that. Today, there are a whole lot of causes, common causes of, of anguish and torment. And as I list these, I wonder if, if you can identify with them personally or if there's somebody you know in your immediate circle of relationships, even your immediate family, that, that would identify with these. Depression. Depression affects one in every ten people. Depression is the leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. Depression is the primary reason why someone dies of suicide every 12 minutes. For those who live with depression, for those who love somebody who's living with depression, you're familiar with Mary's anguish and torment, and you're familiar with Habakkuk's cry. How long? Oh Lord, how long? Addiction and substance abuse. Addiction is a public health crisis. 20 million Americans struggle with addiction and substance abuse. Overdose is the leading cause of accidental death. During this pandemic alone, just the last two years, it's estimated that substance abuse has risen by 10%. Mental illness. Schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, borderline personality disorder. One in five U.S. adults experience some manifestation of mental illness every year. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. One in every eight visits to the emergency room is related to mental illness. 
50% of mental illness cases happen by the age of 14. 75% of them happen by the age of 24. Trauma. 70% of adults have experienced at least one traumatic event in their lifetime. 20% of those people who experience a traumatic event develop post-traumatic stress disorder. One in 13 people will develop PTSD during their lifetime. People living with trauma are people familiar with anguish and torment. Loneliness. Loneliness. In the midst of the COVID pandemic, there's another pandemic that is currently raging. Loneliness. 22% of adults report that they often feel lonely or they always feel lonely. Loneliness is hitting two demographics the, the greatest. It's hitting our elderly population, those who are largely isolated. And interestingly enough, it's hitting our, our younger generation, Generation Z, who's connected often through digital means but, but lack authentic connection. Finally, we can't discount demonic oppression. The devil and his army are just as intent today on inflicting torment as they were in Jesus' day. Spiritual warfare often takes place silently in the background of many things that torment us today. So your experience, I, I wonder, as you heard that list, if anyone could identify that or you have a loved one who identifies with that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I did, I imagine every hand would go up. This affects us personally. It affects us closely. So our experience may be different than what Mary's was, but we can identify with, with living in anguish and torment. We can identify with that question from Habakkuk, how long, O Lord? Mary's story is a story of hope that the Lord hears those cries. I want to show you a, a video clip from the series, The Chosen, and uh, just set it up for you. Uh, we're going to meet Mary right away. She's going to be called Lilith uh, because people didn't know her name, and so they were calling her Lilith. She's suffering greatly, so much so she's tried everything. The, the oppression she is under is heavy, and so she wants to end it all. She just wants to be done with it, and then she meets Jesus. Talk, huh? Oh, what, huh? 
going to distract me too. Come on. Not now. So see. Not now. She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Just my hand. Most of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no you. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lily, please listen to what I'm saying. Don't touch me. Oh. Lily. Lily. Lily, are you okay? I... I have to go. You mean... says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So the Bible gives us very little information about Mary before she met Jesus, but it's full of information about Mary after she met Jesus. She wasn't one of the 12 immediate disciples, but she was every bit the disciple that the 12 were. After Mary encountered Jesus and had her life transformed, set free from her torment, she devoted her life to Jesus. She followed him along with the twelve on many occasions. Here in Luke chapter 8, we're told that she even funded 
Jesus' ministry out of her own means. She was a pillar in the early community of disciples. Mary was there at the crucifixion of Jesus. Luke 23 tells us that those who, who knew Jesus, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. She was last at the cross. She stood, she watched as his body was taken down. She saw where his body was laid. Three days later, she came to the tomb. John 20 recounts the story this way. It says, early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Simon and John ran to the tomb to see for themselves, and then we pick up the action again. Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? What is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. She's last at the cross. She's first at the tomb. She's first to be greeted by the angel with the announcement of the risen Lord. She's first to encounter our resurrected Lord. She is first to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord to the other disciples. This is the same woman who only about two years earlier was living a life of utter despair the last person that we would expect to say all of those things about. And then love came to town. And then she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, everything changed. So today, if you identified with any of those things that I spoke about or you have a loved one that identifies with that, Mary's story is a story of good news. It's a story of hope for those who suffer in anguish and torment. Mary is not remembered today as a woman who had seven demons, oppressed by demons. She's remembered as someone who was loved by Jesus, someone who was set free from her torment 
and someone who God used greatly. And so we hope, we continue to hope, even as we cry out, how long, O Lord? Join me as we pray. Father God, uh, as we come to your word, we read these stories uh, of how you transformed lives, how you met situations that, that really do uh, seem hopeless, and you brought change. And, and Lord, uh, we want to believe that, that you are able to do that today, and, and uh, I find in my own heart um, what the, the blind man said, I, I believe and, and help me in my unbelief. Lord, would we be a, a people whose uh, hope is in you. Lord, uh, you don't always operate on our timetable, and so we do find ourselves in positions where we're crying out, how long, how long, O oh Lord? But I pray for everyone in the sanctuary right now that as we shared that list, or maybe it's something else who could identify a, a source of anguish and torment in their own life or in the life of a loved one. Lord, we pray that you would step into those situations in a powerful way, in a way that only you can do, that you would bring healing, that you would bring transformation. Lord, our hope is in you, and it's on you that we wait. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.